1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: Ashley, on Monday uh, there were major meetings in the Liberal Party Room and of course joint party room meetings on Tuesday and the direction is set. Uh, The idea of a postal plebiscite, uh, of course it came pretty close actually in the Senate to actually being a full plebiscite. What were your thoughts on, on how those things unfolded?
1: It was very close uh, to becoming a compulsory attendance plebiscite. And and what what, um, never ceases to amaze me are the tactics of those who so strongly want change, who so strongly want the definition of marriage to be changed, who want to overturn um, all of the, the history of marriage in our nation. The strongest opponents are those who block Um, a move for Australians to have their say through a compulsory plebiscite and then having blocked um, a compulsory attendance plebiscite then start to undermine the legitimacy uh, of uh, a postal plebiscite. And um, uh, it it really is amazing. It shouldn't amaze us but it continues to amaze me the tactics of people who just want to bully and silence debate until they get what they want.
0: Now, Ashley, when I'm saying a postal plebiscite, almost guaranteed, it's this element of doubt that comes, and you're calling it an undermining. The idea of a high court challenge to the post- postal plebiscite. What are some of your thoughts on on the likelihood of possible success in the high court of blocking that postal plebiscite, or do you think the government's legal authority that their advice will uh, will win the day and and the postal plebiscite will go ahead
1: well better lawyers than me will argue both sides of the of the case before the high court and uh, we need to um, we need to pray for wisdom on the part of the high court to accurately hear the arguments and to make a decision and uh, when I talked about undermining Uh, the legitimacy of a a postal plebiscite, Um, the challenge in the High Court is only one aspect of undermining. The other aspect of undermining uh, is to say that uh, regardless of the result, it won't be legitimate. Now, having said that, those who want change will argue that change should happen if the plebiscite comes back with a yes case. But they're already gearing themselves up that just in case um, the, the answer is no they're already questioning the legitimacy um, to try and have Parliament discount it um, as as anything that should be persuasive uh, on Members of Parliament and on Senators.
0: Now we are headed for, if there is a yes vote, uh, the most significant social change perhaps in the history of the nation. Uh, It's underplayed by so many who think of the issue of the marriage definition of just uh, who can love one another, your thoughts on the significance of the social change that could potentially happen uh, if it's uh, it's a yes vote in that postal plebiscite?
1: It would be a massive social change, but here again we see those who... Um, oppose the plebiscite, those who strongly advocate for change, are already um, out there trying themselves to narrowly define what they believe is and is not the issue, to narrowly define what can and cannot be debated, to label anyone who um, indicates that uh, there should be no change as a bigot, to highlight even factual um, things that are put forward about the consequences of the change um, as being irrelevant and hateful and hurtful and all the rest of it. We saw uh, in Parliament this week, we saw uh, the leader of the opposition um, uh, referred to a pamphlet um, that had been um, circulated and which highlighted some of the dangers or some of the detrimental effects uh, on children uh, in same-sex relationships Uh, or or rather children of same-sex couples. Um, He he was referring to this as as rubbish. Uh, We saw the leader of the opposition in the Senate yesterday uh, try to uh, ridicule uh, an argument that that was up against uh, her case. And so already we're seeing that uh, the people who want change, who oppose the people having their say, who oppose the plebiscite, are also trying to seek a very, very narrow definition Um, And so uh, when uh, Tony Abbott came out yesterday and said, uh, if you want freedom of religion, vote no. If you want to protect freedom of speech, uh, vote no. He was ridiculed for saying that. But let me tell you, uh, Neil, as you know, and as uh, many of your listeners know, and I hope more and more of them will know, there are serious consequences in those areas. There are serious consequences for religious freedom. There are serious consequences for um, schools, uh, faith-based schools, uh, who want to teach uh, what the Bible says about marriage and about family. Uh, and remember, as Andrea Williams said on your show only a few weeks ago, these are core gospel issues. And we only have to go back to what Andrea said to, uh, to realise some of the ways, even in a place like Britain, where those who stand for faith, once same-sex marriage has been legalised, are being suspended and demoted and dismissed for holding to what the Bible says.
0: Okay, so we've got issues here, and you use this terminology: demands for a very narrow debate. In other words, uh, the uh, the no the uh, the yes side of the plebiscite argument. Uh, wanting to play down and not, in fact, involve debate that's, that talks about the best interests of children or about issues of religious freedom, uh, freedom of speech, these things being played down and said to be irrelevant to the debate?
1: That's that's what they're doing. And um, just, just let's focus on children for a moment. Now, the leader of the opposition in the Senate yesterday um, said, we love our children. And guess what? It comes as no surprise to any of us Of course, same-sex couples love children. Um, But what we need to recognise, I guess, are these, that um, credible research in various places around the world demonstrate that children do best um, with a married mother and a father. Um, There is... And not only that, but in same-sex relationships, um, a child is automatically deprived of a biological mother or a biological father or in some cases both not because the parents have died or not because um, those people are not able or equipped to look after the child but simply to meet the social cause that says that same-sex couples should be entitled to have children even though it cannot occur naturally We need to talk about these things. We need to stand up for children. Um, Do same-sex couples love their children? Of course they do. And yet there are stories of children who were raised by very loving same-sex parents who were able to say, um, we weren't really able to talk about my identity. Um, I loved my two mothers, uh, but I wasn't really able without in a sense, being disloyal to them, to ask questions about my biological father. Uh, I didn't have that influence in my life. Children who have been raised to adulthood are asking these questions, are saying these things. They are not irrelevant. And uh, we need to stand up for those who don't have a voice. And uh, that includes the children um, who will be the the unnatural products, Um, sadly and unfortunately, the, the unnatural products of this social engineering.
0: Ashley, you've had a number of media releases this week. Let me just draw attention to one of those uh, which advocates for the idea that there should be funding on both sides uh, because if there had been a formal Uh, involuntary plebiscite there would likely have been funding for both sides to argue the case but given that it's a postal plebiscite a voluntary plebiscite uh, no funding will be given or at least that's the indication as it is at the present time Uh, what's wrong with this idea of no funding you're actually advocating that there should be funding on both sides so that both sides can argue Uh, is there a protection in actually having government funding
1: Uh, There's big protection because the danger is, and we saw this uh, in Ireland when Ireland went through their constitutional referendum about this topic, that um, uh, the large companies um, who are in favour of changing the definition of marriage and the international um, wealthy people who have as their agenda to see this right around the world uh, they're the people who will send their millions of dollars uh, into the Australian community, uh, whereas the Christian uh, and other um, not-for-profits who are concerned about this, w- we have very limited resources. And even if even if there was some um, large company in Australia that was willing to get behind the no case, we've seen how they get bullied. We, we, we saw it with the Coopers case. We saw it with... Uh, the fellow who was on the board of the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, and so the the enormous bullying. um, And so what it's all about is um, let's let's stifle debate, let's take money away and let's flood our um, arguments in and let's flood our money in in order to sway and to manipulate. Uh, It really is um, those people who are calling for a respectful debate I, I wish there would be. Uh, I want there to be a respectful debate about the issues. Um, what I don't like um, are, is the bullying and the ability of these very wealthy people from other countries to be able to send money into Australia, uh, to flood Australia uh, with propaganda uh, that presents uh, a very um, slew um, argument in my view.
0: Ashley, come back to the need for a postal plebiscite. Uh, Earlier this week, an interview with former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson, uh, where he suggested something quite significant, that somehow or other uh, politics, the Parliament, is broken in Australia and that Parliament has lost its moral authority to deal with this matter. What are your thoughts on on his reflections when it comes to the issue for a need for the people to actually decide, not for parliamentarians.
1: I agree with John Anderson entirely. I saw that uh, interview uh, live on uh, ABC News a few days ago, and uh, as I sat watching him, I was really impressed uh, by his logic, by his, um, by his uh, very careful and considered approach. Um, I was really impressed by his statesmanship, Uh, on such a serious matter. You see, this has come before the Parliament um, on any number of occasions over the last decade. And uh, on every occasion, uh, it has been um, defeated. And in fact, uh, even some people who are now its strongest advocates have voted against it in the Parliament. And so uh, I guess I would agree with John Anderson and and say these few things. One, the the history of this matter before the Parliament demonstrates that... um, that, that every time Parliament votes, those who want change are not happy with it and keep on bringing it back and bringing it back to a point where Parliament is just, um, really has its hands tied. That basically, um, until such time as Parliament was to, is to vote it in, they won't be happy. Secondly, that, uh, that there are people who've, um, shifted their side so much and so often that, that that is also a factor. And I guess the third is this, that when, when a political party goes to an election and says, we will not make any change without the Australians having their say, um, and that government is elected uh, with that amongst other platforms, it really is important to carry through. And uh, and so the same opposition, for example, that would seek to hold um, the government accountable for the promises that they want the government to have kept is the very same opposition that will block the government delivering on this promise.
0: Let me ask you about who will be the primary spokespeople in a campaign like this, uh, because it could be very confusing for some people that uh, Malcolm Turnbull uh, will be com- campaigning on the same side as Bill Shorten, uh, so far as wanting a yes vote in the postal plebiscite Uh, the other side of the coin of course uh, Tony Abbott will play a prominent role and uh, and also one other very prominent uh, former Prime Minister John Howard has put his hand up to uh, be on the no side of the campaign too Uh, with these prominent figures uh, is that likely to become a focal point for the types of people who will be spokesmen uh, on this uh, on this uh, whole debate
1: it could very well become a focal point. Uh, there will be faith-based uh, speakers. Uh, I think it is really important for someone who I think has broad um, acknowledgement across Australian society as a statesman, as, uh, as an excellent former Prime Minister. I think it is important for someone like John Howard uh, to be involved and to say there are good and serious reasons that we must consider in uh, in rejecting this proposal, um, I applaud um, his uh, leadership, and uh, and I wish him the best as he seeks to add his voice to other voices of reason uh, that the Australian society will hear if we're given the chance.
0: Now I'm not precisely sure but in my understanding the marriage alliance may well be the prime campaign management so you've got uh, you've got people who will be uh, prominent campaigners on either side of the debate uh, is that your understanding the marriage alliance is that likely to be the prime campaign management uh, n-
1: no marriage alliance is an organisation, um, but uh, the Coalition for Marriage is likely to be the main coordinating uh, factor. The Coalition for Marriage is something that um, started uh, a year or so ago um, um, under the auspices of the um, Anglican and Catholic Archbishops of Sydney, as well as Marriage Alliance, the organisation, and the Australian Christian Lobby, and so that group of four uh, started the Coalition for Marriage. And um, and they're still heading that up. Uh, Family Voice Australia is uh, is proudly a part of that coalition, and, uh, and and will be very much behind the the things that the Coalition for Marriage uh, will be putting out in the Australian um, uh, before the Australian people.
0: Well, Ashley Saunders, valuable insight and good clarifying information as to how listeners to this program might respond and might understand and might even be in the way of arguing their case when they're in that sort of conversation with regards to marriage and the push for same-sex marriage in Australia. Ashley Ashley Saunders, of course, National Director of Family Voice Australia, appoint people to the website Family Voice Australia fava.org.au for good resources on how a Christian faith applies to this very, very important uh, cultural and social change that may be upon us and how we ought to be conducting ourselves in the lead up to the postal plebiscite. Ashley Saunders, thanks so much for taking some time to talk to us today on 2020.
1: It's been a pleasure, and uh, I know, Neil, that uh, your listeners are going to be blessed as they now listen to Omar Joandi, a wonderful Christian leader, and uh, he's got a lot of good things to say.
0: And that conversation coming up in just a few moments. Thanks, Ashley. Before you go, thanks
1: for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.